We are so excited to announce that we now have a line of Weird Girl merchandise. Which Weird Girl are you? The nature of power is that it belongs to no one until it is taken through sex violence. East Asian women on screen have long been haunted by the figure of the Dragon Lady, a violent seductress who will do anything to achieve her goals. The fierce Dragon Lady is the flip side to the passive Lotus Blossom, also known as the China Doll or Geisha Girl. Both are highly sexualized, but the Lotus Blossom is depicted as submissive and eager to please a white male protagonist. While the Dragon Lady is sexually aggressive and even weaponizes her sexuality. Sex is a weapon. The Dragon Lady is exoticized and mysterious, making her feel like an unknowable other instead of encouraging the audience to empathize with her. She's typically framed as a ruthless antagonist, just merciless vengeance, to be overcome or killed in battle by the end of the story. And in light of the recent increase in violence against East Asian women in America, we can see how stereotypical tropes like these can have damaging real-life consequences. At the same time, a number of characters who have been called Dragon Ladies have also contributed a lot of dramatic and representational value. The Dragon Lady is unapologetically driven, ultra-assertive, and has agency, disproving the widespread assumption fueled by both the Lotus Blossom and the model minority myth that Asian people must be meek. I'm sorry, what was that? She's also in control of her sexuality, using it as she chooses. Some elements of the Dragon Lady trope are even contributing to more multidimensional East Asian characters today. Here's our take on why modern media is thankfully moving beyond one-dimensional Dragon Lady caricatures, but can draw on her power as a blueprint for more nuanced representation of East Asian women. <laughs> If you're new here, be sure to subscribe and click the bell to get notified about all our new videos. All I want at the end of a long day is to escape into a vivid fantasy world, and that's why I turn to this video's sponsor, Raid Shadow Legends. It's a free mobile game set in the world of Teleria, and you can click the link in the description below to download it now. Raid features everything I could ever want in a game. Dragons, incredible graphics, and champions with different skills. One of my favorites to play with is Frost King from the Night Revenant faction. This month, Raid is introducing its most terrifying character yet, the Hydra. This super-powered clan boss has multiple heads and each one poses a new threat. Fighting the Hydra is like a tactical puzzle with constant new challenges. I'm still trying to figure out how to take the Hydra down, but I'm getting a lot of practice trying different strategies, and it's absolutely worth it because this battle can get you some of the best artifacts in the game. Raid is also giving away a super limited edition champion to all players, esports legend and Navi superstar Simple. All you have to do is log in for seven days between now and January 28th, and he's yours. There's seriously never been a better time to get started. If you're a new player, click the link in the description or scan my QR code and you'll get the epic champion Rector Droth, 200,000 silver, one energy refill and one XP boost, plus one ancient shard. All this treasure will be waiting for you here. But these rewards are only available for the next 30 days, so click the link in the description below to download Raid for free now. 
the Dragon Lady trope grew out of long-standing prejudices and legislation that painted Asian Americans as a violent threat and associated Asian women with excessive sexuality and sexual diseases. In 1875, U.S. Congress passed the Page Act, which explicitly forbid the importation of women for the purposes of prostitution. This was used to prevent the immigration of Asian women, who were stereotyped as sex workers, perceived as a sexual threat, and used as a scapegoat for the spread of sexual diseases. Legislation in the United States, such as the Page Act, discriminated and barred Asian women. They've been stereotyped as a seductress, as subservient. More generally, an influx of Chinese immigrants to the West coast in the later 19th century led to yellow peril, a racist fear that Chinese workers would steal jobs and threaten the American way of life. In response, the 1882 Chinese Exclusion Act greatly restricted Chinese immigration to the United States. A letter appeared in the pages of the New York Sun, written by a young Chinese immigrant. This country is the land of liberty for all men of all nations, except the Chinese. These fears and stereotypes manifested in early Hollywood portrayals of Asian women, especially through the career of Chinese-American actor Anna Mae Wong. Wong starred in 1924 as the Thief of Baghdad as a devious female villain who wears exotic outfits and headpieces while using her sexuality to undermine the protagonist. In 1931's Daughter of the Dragon, she starred as the villainous daughter of Fu Manchu in a role that also exemplified dragon lady tropes. You will first have the torture of seeing her beauty eaten slowly away by this hungry acid. Throughout her career, Wong was frustrated with a Hollywood that offered her stereotypical roles, rarely let her be a romantic leading lady due to anti-miscegenation laws that said she couldn't kiss a white actor on screen, and sometimes even rejected her for Asian roles in favor of white actors in yellowface. In a 1933 interview, Wong asked, why is it that the screen Chinese is nearly always the villain of the piece and so cruel a villain, murderous, treacherous, a snake in the grass? We are not like that. While the comparison to a dragon was already in vague use, the dragon lady trope name was coined in 1934 when the comic strip Terry and the Pirates introduced a villain literally called Dragon Lady, who was beautiful, seductive, and dedicated to making herself rich. The archetype stuck and prevailed on screen for decades. You know how many people have said to me he's doing his lawyer, the Chinese Dragon Lady? The Dragon Lady is almost always the villain of her story. Unlike the vulnerable Lotus Blossom who takes on the role of object to be won or saved, she aims to thwart the typically white male character in order to fulfill her own selfish agenda. But her evilness is usually only explored at surface level. Instead of getting a fulfilling backstory or clear motivation, she's reduced to a plot device or a dehumanized obstacle for the protagonist. Her weapon of choice is her sexuality, which she uses to trick those around her, in many cases seducing the white male protagonist before betraying him. I'm thinking of a partnership. Shall we um, come to the point? And while there are many one-dimensional white female villains who fulfill a similar narrative purpose, they're not universally exoticized or mystified the way that East Asian women are. Why do Chinese girls taste different from all other girls? You think we better, huh? 
The Dragon Lady's exoticism is expressed through elaborate headpieces, traditional-seeming Asian clothing, and strong makeup to emphasize her otherness. I wish I could find a word to describe her. Exotic, that's the word. This is depicted as both desirable and dangerous on screen, as if she is a sexy but lethal creature rather than a woman. We don't see any humanity reflected in her character, as her makeup and dress literally serve as a mask to prevent us from seeing anything other than a caricature. Chinese actor Joan Chen has spoken on how unrealistic the Hollywood Asian aesthetic is to actual East Asian women, stating in a 2012 interview, I didn't fit in that mode of what they feel the Chinese girl should look. The image is a little unfamiliar to what, you know, all these concubines or dragon women uh, should appear to them. The dragon lady is also characterized by her cruelty. Her stoic discipline and disregard for morals make her a formidable opponent. And while her ruthlessness is often pragmatic in the pursuit of her goals, she's sometimes even shown delighting in the pain of others. In Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End, Mistress Ching is infamous for being the leader of an exceptionally brutal army of pirates. They do not just steal to gain wealth, but pillage, behead, and take body parts as souvenirs after defeating an enemy. She also capitalizes on other women's sexuality by running a brothel. Much like her Asian male counterparts, the Dragon Lady often exercises her physical power through martial arts or other traditionally Asian fighting styles. Echoing her exoticized makeup and costuming, the Dragon Lady's connection to martial arts, a strange, unknowable art for Westerners, implies that she has some otherworldly knowledge and strength, adding to the feeling she's less human and more intrinsically evil. Silly Caucasian girl likes to play with samurai swords. This dehumanization has real-world consequences. When Anna Mae Wong was confronted by disappointed audiences on her first trip to China in 1936, she realized that even she had internalized Hollywood's tendency to treat all of Asia as a cartoonish monoculture. She confessed that she had been thinking of China as a place where the people always sipped tea and philosophized about life. The Chinese heart is very constant, Ronald. It might be sadly wounded in one of your Western affairs. In 2020, we saw the rise in hate crimes against Asian Americans, immigrants, and tourists as they were once again scapegoated for the spread of disease. Asian women were the victims of 68% of anti-Asian hate crimes in 2021, and there's undoubtedly a link between the hate and the long-standing hypersexualization of Asian women on screen. As Lucy Liu wrote, Chinese women have been depicted as either the submissive lotus blossom or the aggressive dragon lady. And the key difference between the two is that the dragon lady has agency over her sexual power. The fact that this makes her a villain sends the message that Asian women who don't exist to passively please white men are a social threat. And did it break his heart? I do that sort of thing. Despite the Dragon Lady's limitations, it's important to recognize that we don't have to completely eliminate all aspects of this trope. After all, there are East Asian women who are ambitious, sexually in control, and at times even ruthless. Bambi, don't say another word till after the hunter shoots your mother. There's just more to them than that. 
And similarly to the femme fatale trope, the dragon lady is now being reclaimed by many as a symbol of power. Lucy Liu, who has played a number of characters which have since been deemed dragon ladies, such as Oren Ishii in Kill Bill, Alex Munday in Charlie's Angels, and Ling Wu in Ally McBeal, wrote a Washington Post op-ed discussing how the dragon lady label and critiques can be limiting to Asian American actors, cutting them off from potential roles and dismissing the value of their characters. Liu argues that many of her characters have been called dragon ladies simply because she's Asian. Quote, Why not call Uma Thurman, Vivica A. Fox, or Daryl Hannah a dragon lady? I can only conclude that it's because they are not Asian. I could have been wearing a tuxedo and a blonde wig, but I still would have been labeled a dragon lady because of my ethnicity. The price you pay for bringing up either my Chinese or American heritage as a negative is, I collect your f***ing head. In Kill Bill, it's true that like a stereotypical dragon lady, Oren Ishii dresses in a traditionally Asian manner, fights with a samurai sword, and is a cruel antagonist. But as Lou is getting at, almost all of the featured female characters are ruthlessly violent and mysterious, and Oren Ishii is given a well-developed backstory which illuminates why she uses violence to pursue her goals. The half-Japanese, half-Chinese American army brat made her first acquaintance with death at the age of nine. Do her dragon lady-like traits negate the value we can otherwise find in her character? Lou's words highlight the importance of context in these discussions. If a supposed dragon lady isn't presented any differently than other characters in her narrative, is the issue of othering still present? Josie Packard from Twin Peaks sounds like she could potentially fit the dragon lady label because she has her husband murdered and shoots Agent Dale Cooper to ensure her escape. The show also leaves it up to interpretation as to whether she seduces Sheriff Truman to help hide her crimes, or if she actually has feelings for him. I miss you. I need to talk to you. I want to talk to you, too. Josie, were you at the Timber Falls Motel this afternoon? Yeah, I have to go. Yet in the context of noirish Twin Peaks, which is filled with sexualized, double-crossing, and violent characters, all of these behaviors fit right in. Josie's race seems to have little to do with how her story plays out. There's also nothing inherently bad about some of the Dragon Lady's signature traits. In fact, they can be pretty essential in successful people. The Expanse is Christian Avasarala, a UN official of Indian descent played by Iranian-American actress Shorey Agdashlu, is ruthless and manipulative, not to mention always dressed in the most beautiful fineries of her culture. And her dragon-esque ferocity makes her an outstanding leader who's confronting a time full of challenging wars while attempting to hold on to a humanistic vision of the future she's fighting for. More generally, the figure of the dragon, a key figure in Chinese mythology and legends, is an appealing, inspirational spirit to many. In the 2010s, white character Daenerys Targaryen on Game of Thrones set off a craze for viewers who wanted to channel the power of a fire-breathing dragon. I am the dragon's daughter. In recent years, Hollywood has allowed for more nuanced characters who may initially be perceived as dragon ladies, but who subvert our expectations and prove that Asian women can check some of these boxes while still having depth and relatability. Sometimes that's the price of doing the right thing. No one will understand, and it hurts like hell. While Melinda May in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has a proficiency in martial arts and initially presents a cold and emotionless exterior, her behavior is shaped by trauma in her past, and we watch her become fiercely loyal to her teammates, eventually comfortable enough to reveal her more emotional side. That pain is love. I know, because I was afraid of it too. But you let me feel it. 
Similarly, Christina Yang might appear to be a typical high-powered dragon lady in her relentless pursuit of medical excellence. Colleagues aren't friends or competitors. But she's a complicated character who cares deeply about the people she's closest to, and her platonic relationship with Meredith Grey is one of the most central relationships throughout the entire show. You are my person. You will always be my person. Lucy Liu's character, Kirsten Stevens in Set It Up, at first presenting as a harsh boss with no compassion, has adopted her tough exterior as a defense mechanism in response to a cutthroat corporate environment and a broader society that's judgmental of women like her. But you have to have a tough skin. So if I am the most awful person when this shitstorm of an industry is hard on you, I know that you will be prepared. As these stories progress, characters like Christina and Kirsten ultimately make us think about how acting nice is less important than offering authentic inspiration and meaningful support to other women. I learned so much from you. You're my hero. Gia in Lovecraft Country seems at first to be a submissive lotus blossom who is then revealed to be a dragon lady. And at times she is manipulative and dangerous. And you killed a hundred men. It is my nature. But the series also humanizes her by making her character complex, showing the internal conflict she experiences between her own desires and those of the Kumiho fox spirit possessing her. Paralleling our expectations of dragon ladies, Gia initially believes herself undeserving of love because she isn't human, but eventually finds both platonic and romantic companions who care for her and allow her to reclaim her own humanity. We've both done monstrous things, but that does not make us monsters. We could be the people we see in each other. In Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, Xia Ling, who is both a kick-ass martial artist and potential future antagonist, avoids falling into the dragon lady trope through her concrete and relatable motivations, as well as the stories questioning the gender roles society has forced her into. I wasn't allowed to train with the boys, but I watched everything they did and taught myself to do it better. And while Crazy Rich Asians' Eleanor Young initially appears Dragon Lady-level fierce and intimidating without patience for anyone who's less elite than her uber-rich family, she's eventually sympathetic due to her underlying motive of doing what's best for her loved ones. It's nice you appreciate this house and us being here together wrapping dumplings. But all this doesn't just happen. It's because we know to put family first. The distinction underlines that ultimately what's most important in avoiding any one-dimensional stereotype is giving us a window into a human being we can feel for. While Lucy Liu's character in Charlie's Angels provoked criticism for her lack of depth, Liu wrote, as part of something so iconic, my character Alex Munday normalized Asian identity for a mainstream audience and made a piece of Americana a little more inclusive. Lucy Liu was, and Charlie's Angels, uh, was like the, the pinnacle of like everything to me. It changed the way that I looked at myself and the world. And Lou's perspective, like the history of the dragon lady trope as a whole, raises the complicated question of whether flawed representation is still a lot better than no representation. Undoubtedly, the cartoonish version of the dragon lady as an other is limiting and risks perpetuating exoticized stereotypes about East Asian women's sexuality and linking them with violence. But looking back, we can also acknowledge how on-screen versions of the Dragon Lady carved out an important pathway to East Asian representation. And moving forward, elements of the Dragon Lady can be preserved in stories about nuanced, complex, and powerful female East Asian characters of the future. If my dad won't let me into his empire, I'm gonna build my own. 
This is The Take. Let's take the tropes home with us. We are so excited to announce that we now have a line of Weird Girl merchandise. It's not just a question of, am I the weird girl? You have to ask yourself, which weird girl am I? Are you the dreamy space cadet living on your own planet? Are you the delightfully spiraling basket case? Are you the ferocious goth? Are you the awkward misfit? Are you the smartass? I think there's power in owning the weird girl in all of us. You can now express it through posters, mugs, a backpack, t-shirts. Wear it on your sleeve. Announce that you are the weird girl. We had so much fun conceptualizing these characters and drawing from our favorite weird girls of film and TV to create our vision of the five types. One of our favorite designs is this beautiful line art rendering of the weird girl. She's got the iconic goth visual. It just looks great whether you're doing a cute backpack, a hoodie, you can grab a tote or a poster with all of the weird girls. Or another approach is to mix and match. So you grab your space cadet water bottle, your misfit hoodie, and your basket case poster behind you. I love these shirts. It's also super soft. I really, it's very soft. I really yeah. feel like I could it's live really in this. Like, click the link in the description below to order from Spring right now and get the best possible deals on your merch. Get 10% off until December 9th with the promo code GETWEIRD. To the weird girl. To the weird girls in all of us. Which weird girl are you?